1: And welcome back to a brand new episode of the Blackout, brought to you each and every week by Super Team Media. I am Thomas Black, your host, and I welcome you back. As I take you back through another week of college football, looking back at the biggest games from week eight and looking ahead to the biggest action of week nine as we journey our way through the college football season, looking at the biggest games and the best teams on the road to the college football playoff. On this week's episode, as I do each week, I'll take you back through the biggest moments of week eight that will shape the college football playoff moving forward. And as we move into week nine, I'm happy to tell you that in the second segment today, I'll have Trent Smallwood, the recruiting analyst for UGA Sports.com, with me to preview a top 10 matchup that I believe will determine the SEC East when the Georgia Bulldogs, ranked seventh in the country, take on the Florida Gators as the number nine team in the country. Thank you for joining me, and now let's get started. It's time for... Best moments of Week Eight as we work our way to the College Football Playoff. I'll get started with what I thought was the third most impactful game of Week Eight, and that comes down to Washington State's 34-20 win over Oregon. In this game, it looked like the Cougars were destined to run away with it as they built a 27-0 lead at halftime. Look where the ball is. Will swing
0: there. in the gate. Will swing in the gate to, and there it goes.
1: Just so. And that was Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman for Fox as James Williams ran 24 yards for a score, scooting into the end zone off a bunch of tacklers for a spectacular touchdown run. If you haven't seen that one, go back and look at it. It's hard to tell for sure, but I really do believe that there were six different Oregon defenders that touched Williams on his way to the end zone that could have potentially brought him down. It may have even been more than that. This touchdown run was the first of four TDs in the first half for Washington State in building the 27-0 lead. But Oregon was quick to rebound with 20 consecutive points to open the second half. Finally, Washington State put the game away with 3 minutes and 40 seconds left in the fourth quarter with a final touchdown for the final margin, 34-20. And if you listened to last week's podcast, you know exactly why I thought this was one of the biggest outcomes of the entire weekend. Heading into week eight, I said that the Oregon Ducks were a dark horse candidate to make the college football playoff with only one loss heading into the weekend. I said their most difficult games remaining were games at Washington State, this one, and at Utah the rest of the way. Now sitting at five and two, the Oregon Ducks are effectively eliminated from the college football playoff. But this game is also big from Washington State's standpoint. The Cougars now sit at 6-1 and and are the last remaining team in the Pac-12 with only a single loss. Because of that, I do believe you have to list the Cougars as a dark horse for the college football playoff. Just think about it. They stand at 6-1 and and if they found their way to an 11-1 and regular season and went on to the Pac-12 championship and won that game... Sitting at 12-1, they would absolutely have an argument for the college football playoff. But at this point, I don't know if I can see this Washington State team making it all that way with only a single loss. This week, they have to play at number 24 Stanford, and then they have fairly manageable games coming up in November versus California at Colorado versus Arizona before closing things out in a home game versus Washington. But when you look at that schedule of at Stanford, at Colorado, and Washington to close things out, I believe the Cougars lose at least one of those three games. Now it's time to take a look at what I thought was the second most impactful game of the entire weekend in Week 8, as the Michigan Wolverines knocked off Michigan State 21-7. It's not just that Michigan won this game on the road. That's impressive enough. But it's the way they won this game that is so impressive. The Wolverines have their team built completely around this defense. It's first nationally in yards allowed per game. It's first nationally in yards per play allowed. But it's also the fact that this offense continues to get better, and Shea Patterson is really growing into a role that allows this offense to expand beyond what we've seen under Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. The defense was completely dominant in this game, holding Brian Lewerke to 5 of 25 passing on the night. The Spartans went 0-for-12 on third down in this one, 0-for-1 on fourth down, and on the entire game, they only had 94 yards of offense, averaging just 1.8 yards per play. This is exactly why last week I told you that you need to watch out for this Michigan team as they work their way through the rest of the season, and especially as they work their way toward playing Ohio State. We've seen this Ohio State offense struggle with the likes of Penn State's defense on the road on the road at Purdue, losing 49-20 to this past weekend. I know they get to host Michigan, but if you're going to tell me that they're going to struggle against those defenses, you better watch out against this Michigan defense. And if Shea Patterson continues to improve like I think he will and is given a longer leash by his coaching staff, I think you better watch out for this Michigan team because I think they have a decent chance to make it all the way to the college football playoff. And it's the combination of Shea Patterson's arm plus his legs that I think adds the extra dynamic to this offense. Here's the key moment from the win against Michigan State. Patterson. Winding up. He's good. And that's Gus Johnson on the call for Fox, as Michigan went ahead of Michigan State for good, 14-7 on Shea Patterson's 79-yard touchdown pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Now, the final stretch is important for the Michigan Wolverines. Take note, as you look at their schedule, Michigan has already played eight games this season. They haven't had a bye week. That's why they have one this coming week. Most teams around the country have only played seven games to this point and have already burned through their bye week. But in week 10, Michigan hosts Penn State in one of their key matchups late in the season. They get two full weeks to prepare for that game, and the Nittany Lions have to play that game coming off a home game versus Iowa this weekend. That's a big advantage for Michigan as they look to solidify a solid resume to make a run at the college football playoff. Now it's time to take a look at the most impactful game on the college football playoff that we saw in Week 8. And if you paid any attention to last weekend's games, you know exactly what I'm talking about. More to the left. It's a quick handoff. And Percy out the middle is Knox. Dexter, of Knox, touchdown. Boilers up by three scores now. And that was Chris Fowler on the call for ESPN on ABC as DJ Knox ran a 42-yard touchdown run in to put Purdue ahead 28-6 on Ohio State on their way to a stunning 49-20 victory over the Buckeyes. That play capped off a 10-play, 96-yard drive for the Boilermakers, one in which everyone had to realize just how much trouble Ohio State was in at that moment. And if you rewind back to last week, I told you that I thought an Ohio State loss was coming. I went into this past weekend thinking that Purdue, if they played very, very well, could keep this game very close with Ohio State. But I gave the Buckeyes the benefit of the doubt. I thought that their talent was going to win out in the end. But I thought Purdue, with a very good game plan, could maybe keep it close, maybe have a chance at an upset. I certainly didn't see them blowing the Buckeyes out. But what this game does in my mind is it reinforces exactly what I thought about Ohio State. This team, as good as it can be at times offensively, just does not have an elite defense. And with a schedule remaining that has games at Michigan State, at Maryland, who's been hot and cold, granted they could blow Maryland out, but the Maryland Terrapins have been a team that have surprised some and at times play very well, and then they close out the season in the home game against Michigan. For the Buckeyes, I still hold to exactly what I said a week ago. I still see another loss on their schedule somewhere down the road, particularly when they play an elite defense like Michigan. I think there's a great chance for Michigan to go into Ohio State and pull off a win in Columbus. Now, as I head off to break, it's time for me to remind you of a couple of things. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on iTunes. Additionally, you can find it on Spotify. And while you're at it, go ahead and like the page on Facebook. You can find it at The Blackout Podcast. And while you're on iTunes and Facebook, go ahead and rate the show. With your help, I'll be able to spread this show to fans of college football all across the country. And be sure to stick around for the second segment, because joining me on the other side of the break... I'll have Trent Smallwood of UGA Sports.com. He's a recruiting analyst, and he'll be helping me take a look at the Georgia-Florida game this weekend, a top 10 matchup that I believe will determine the SEC East winner who will take on the Alabama Crimson Tide here in another month or so. I'm your host, Thomas Black, and you're listening to The Blackout. Welcome back to another segment of The Blackout. Here this week, joining me on the show from UGASports.com recruiting analyst, it is Trent Smallwood. Trent, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Now, this week, you're coming into a, a weekend where we have a top 10 matchup between the Florida Gators and the number seven ranked Georgia Bulldogs. It's going to determine a lot of what plays out in the SEC East. Now, Trent, as you look at this weekend, there's been a lot of talk about who Georgia's top competition is in the SEC East. Is it Florida? Is it Kentucky? By my eyes, what I've been seeing recently, Kentucky's a very one-dimensional team in the running attack. I tend to believe that this game may very well play out deciding who wins the SEC East. Do you agree with that, or do you think it plays out differently?
0: No, I do agree, and I I, I do think the game, if Georgia wins uh, Saturday, that game in Lexington is going to be a tough game coming off the the high of winning a game, you know, if they beat Florida. But uh, I, I think this Saturday, um, I think Felipe uh, Franks was a better quarterback than uh, the Kentucky quarterback. And I also think that the ground, the ground games are similar and the defenses passes are, are, are both elite. And I just think that the one dimensional uh, Kentucky uh, poses a, a lesser threat to Georgia than, than, this weekend's game in Florida.
1: This This one's huge for Georgia as they're coming off a loss two weeks ago against LSU 36-16. Now in this game Jake Fromm threw a couple of interceptions and heading into this one against Florida he's going against a Florida defense that's up with the best of them nationally forcing 18 turnovers on the season. Is one of the focal points for this game simply going to be to hold on to the football and make sure you protect the ball against this Florida defense?
0: I mean I think so. I think what Georgia, you know, is, is kind of bases their offense on is the ground in town, time of possession, holding on to the football, lack of turnovers, and they kind of went away from their game plan at, at LSU. And, uh, you know, the, the second drive of the game, they gave the ball to Elijah Holyfield and they gave the ball to DeAndre Swift, and they just, uh, you know, just tore the LSU defense apart. And from that point, from the, from that drive on, they ran four more times in the whole first half. So I think George just got away from the team that they are as a whole. And, uh, and I think it came back to bottom, you know, they, that it, you know, like it or not, Jack Fromm's not a, a, throw it 50 times a game. He, uh, he's a game manager. He uh, has a series of plays when he goes up to the line of scrimmage and he calls his own play at line of scrimmage of what he sees in the defense. And, uh, that, that's kind of Georgia, Georgia's team is they uh, get it to the perimeter, um, pound them running backs, you know, short dump-off passes, let their playmakers do the work. And I think they have to get back to Florida to, to beat the Gators.
1: Mentioning that, I think this game sets up very well for that very setup for the Georgia Bulldogs. You know, coming into this one, Florida's giving up 163 yards per game on the ground. Uh, so do you see it, you know, laying out exactly that way, Elijah Holyfield and De- DeAndre Swift being the emphasis early in the game?
0: Yeah, and I think you have to get positive yards on first down, and I, because you know Todd Grantham was at Georgia, we know how you know Todd Grantham works. He when it when he gets you behind the sticks, when he gets you those third and tens, he's gonna he's gonna bring the pressure, and that's what LSU did. And uh, and Jake Fromm has struggled against the blitz, you know, in pressure situations against that blitz. So Georgia can't afford to play behind the sticks all day. They got to get you know four or five yards on first down and make the uh and and let them go with their offense instead of, you know, running the first down minus two yards and then having to air it out for two straight plays that's not the kind of team George is so they have to concentrate on winning first down and I think that's the most important that'll be an uh, important stat in winning that game Saturday.
1: Another thing we can look back at in the, in the LSU game is we've seen now Justin Fields coming into the game in some more pressure-packed situations with that situation is, is Kirby Smart going to be looking to get him into the game to simply mix things up if things aren't uh, moving well offensively for the Bulldogs?
0: I think what Justin Fields has brought that that Georgia struggled a little bit in weeks past, they didn't really struggle in the LSU game on, you know, they averaged a a lot of yards per carry, but Justin Fields makes you hold another, uh, he holds the guy in those read options. So he's taking a guy out of the play and that's really opened up the running game. I think that the stat throughout the year is Georgia was averaging a whole yard per carry more when Justin Fields was in, but when, uh, then when, problems at quarterback and that's just because he's pulling that defender but i think kirby has to if you're going to put justin fields in the game you have to open it up with it because if you're only doing the read option run you're going to see what lsu did they brought that safety down they took away fields but they also had that extra guy in the box so you have to allow him to throw it and he's got the playmakers on the outside to be to beat guys deep in those one-on-one coverages he, they get, he's got to open it up, let him throw it. And I think you might see a little more of that uh, in Jacksonville.
1: Do you simply uh, think that Kirby Smart and his staff don't have enough confidence in Fields in his arm? Or what have you seen and what do you take away? Do you think he has the ability to be able to open up that offense and throw it down the field?
0: I think I think Justin Fields is special. And I I, I think that Georgia is so comfortable at this stage with, with Fromm. And like I said earlier, He's going up there with a you know two or three different plays, and he's checking into those plays. Uh, I don't think Fields is that comfortable in doing that yet. At the same time, I think Fields might bring a little bit more to this Georgia offense. But I think you know Georgia's trying to play. You know the defense is young. The defense has struggled. Um, I think Georgia's trying to play conservative ball on offense rather than, hey, let's go with the freshman. And, you know, he might be more special, but he's not necessarily going to hold on to the ball. And that's where last week I thought, well, Jake Fromm's struggling. Let's see more of fields. But I think it's just the comfort, uh, you know, them being so comfortable with Fromm, knowing that he's going to get players in the right position, knowing he's going to get players in the, you know, the, get the, uh, the, playing the the right call, but at at some point you have to go with the talent. And I and I you know I, I think Fromm is a I think Fromm's talented, but Justin Fields is going to be hard to keep off the field.
1: Now let's flip it to the other side. When we're talking about the Florida Gators and their offensive attack, Uh, they've got a quarterback who's improved an awful lot in Felipe Franks from last season to this year, but their focal point offensively still lies in the running game. Jordan Scarlett, LaMichael Pirine, is it simply going to be put down for Georgia and this defense? Are they going to be lined up and told to stop the run first and force Felipe Franks to win the game? Oh, I don't think
0: there's any doubt about that. I think Georgia's, uh, you know, the Georgia's played a two-high safety all year long, and I think they have to go with a one-high safety. Bring uh, J.R. Reed down in the box and let him play. Um, I don't think you can go um, too high against them and and let them gash you for four or five yards. They'll do it all game long. I think you have to come up, put seven guys, eight guys in the box every time, and you got to make them beat you. And I, uh, I mean, you you have you have a probably the top cornerback in the country on one side and, and yes uh Tyson Campbell's a freshman on the other side but he's talented. You you're gonna have to put him on the island and let him play ball and make Felipe Frank's beat you. I mean that's that that's you can't you can't let uh part of the running game gouge you all okay. game.
1: As we look at this game and as we look back to maybe the LSU game and even the comparison back to last season, is this Georgia team maybe a little surprising in just the fact that they've gotten pushed around a little bit, especially looking at that LSU game? Do you think that the physicality of this team stands up close to what it was last season to enable them to maybe make it back to the SEC championship game and maybe make a run at a national champion or a college football playoff appearance?
0: I think what you're seeing this year is a – Georgia has some upperclassmen playing, but their talent is in their freshman class. Yeah. And I, I think there was a lot of higher expectations coming this year, um, coming off last year. But you don't replace Roquan Smith. You don't replace the uh, big John Atkins in the middle. And what? But what they are replacing him with is you know Jordan Davis, true freshman. Uh, he played a he played a ton of snaps last year at middle linebacker. They have Jawan Taylor. Who's never played? He's a senior. He hasn't played more than you know twenty snaps, uh, probably in his whole career. And uh, you expected that, you know, drop off. But um, and they have some guys hurt. They had three guys hurt last week, and uh, they're still hurt. But they have to play better at linebacker. You know, they're missing uh, they're missing Lorenzo Carter and DeAndre Walker is outstanding. He's an outstanding pass rusher. He struggles in the run game, and Georgia hasn't really had an outside linebacker step up like the Davin Bellamy and the, um, and the Lorenzo Carter and the Roquan Smith and yeah. Trenton Thompson and John Atkins. You're just missing a lot in that front seven, and and I think the physicality will get there, but I'm not sure it'll get there this year. I think that I think that defense is a, a, probably a year away from being elite again, like they were last year.
1: All right, Trent, as we said, this is a very important game. It could very well determine who comes out of the SEC East and you know is going to face Alabama at the end of the season in the SEC Championship game. So as we head into this weekend, looking at this matchup between the Gators and the Bulldogs, what's your prediction? Who comes out on top?
0: i say Georgia wins 28-24, and um, I think it's going to come down. You look at Georgia last year. They went on the road, same situation. They got blown out by Auburn. They got blown out by LSU this year. And they came back and they just, you know, it was almost like a wake-up call. But I think Georgia needed this wake-up call. I think 28-24, I think it's going to be a close game. I think uh, uh, Georgia's going to do enough. I think it'll be more of a 10-point game heading to the fourth quarter. I think Florida will close the gap a little bit. But uh, uh, 28-24 Georgia uh On
1: Saturday. All right, Trent, I really appreciate the time. And if you have the chance later in the season as the season builds up and as you look at more games headed to the college football playoff, I'd love to have you back on the show sometime.
0: Oh, I'd love to. Thanks for having me.
1: Again, he is Trent Smallwood of UGA Sports.com. Thank you, Trent, for coming to the show. And if you want to follow him on Twitter, you can find him at Smallwood Trent. And I've got to thank Mark Casper of the Super Team Media Network. Mark has a hand in recording a number of podcasts for the super team and he's the one who introduced me to Trent Smallwood to have him here on the show to bring you some of the best information for this Florida Georgia matchup this weekend and I've got to say I agree with Trent on this one I'm going with the Bulldogs to knock off the Gators simply put I believe the pass defense is going to be too much for the improving Felipe Franks I wouldn't be surprised if he throws an interception or two in this game Additionally, like Trent alluded to, I believe that Georgia gets back to their ground game and I believe that they pound Florida all game long on the ground and separate for a win. I'm going with Georgia 34, Florida 24. Now as I close things out, I've got to remind you, you can find me on Twitter at TB on the blackout. Additionally, you can email me questions or topics you want to hear on the show by emailing me at TB on the blackout at gmail.com. As we head into the weekend, I'll be putting out more picks for you and some of my thoughts on some of the biggest games this weekend that will impact the college football race. Additionally, I'll find a game or two to give you picks against the spread like I've done each of the last few weeks. Last week, I gave you Michigan minus the 7.5 against Michigan State on the road. (coughs) And for now, that's all the time I have on this week's episode of the podcast. But I have to thank each and every one of you who listens to the show, likes it on Facebook, subscribes to it on iTunes, and as you share with your friends who love the game of college football. I'm Thomas Black, and next week I'll be back with you for another episode of The Blackout.